This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. Scripture is holy. It is sanctified, set apart from any and all other writings that we have ever had and will ever exist. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. If you have no desire to know who God is, then can you even be sure that he knows you? The gates of hell itself, or the coronavirus itself, will not stand against Jesus building his church. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us a man who knows the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? This is Matter of Theology podcast. This is the place where theology matters because Everything is a matter of theology, and we strive to show that through this podcast. We want to take church and cultural issues and come at them from a biblical standpoint. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of exciting that we are live yeah. at the Cruciform Conference, because this is the first, first time yeah. first time we've yeah. ever done anything like this. Um, yeah, yeah. So, But before we actually get started, we have a, a special guest, yeah. Andrew Rappaport, That's right. right? Because... If you follow our podcast, you know that we're a part of the Christian podcast community. That's right. This is the guy right here. This if you want to guy. be a part of the Christian podcast the community, okay? But also, if you want more Christian podcasts, head on over to strivingforeternity.org. There's a lot of Christian yeah. podcasts that, that you can listen to. Or but, better, better yet, because they always say that, just go to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Okay, there you go. It takes you right to the spot. I don't, why didn't you just tell me that earlier? After you heard me do that like months ago. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, before we get started, Andrew's got a special announcement. That's right. Uh, Mr. Chris Honholds, can you kind of come up here, please? Oh, that's right. Yes. <laughs> we, have, we have a present for you, sir. Yeah. Chris, is, Chris is with the uh, Voice of Reason Radio. If you could open that up. We're going to need help from the audience here, on this. Back, yeah, come back here. So everybody can see. Yeah, because we're going to need you to open this up. We're going to need the, we're going to need audience participation in this, you know, for this gift. <laughs> of course you knew that I was up to something. Why do you not? This was the only the only the only thing I could I could fit to, to get. So we need to get Chris to 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 sh- display this. I couldn't get a full Captain America suit, but we need to get him to wear this. Wear it, wear it, wear it, wear it, wear it, yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, yeah, it's live, you can't take it back. For, for folks who don't know, I've been trying to get Chris to wear his Captain America suit here at the the conference, and he said he wouldn't do it. 
Uh, I actually said there was a 0% chance that he was going to do it. You said what, 40? 40? You said 60, so you are the winner. Uh, I said zero. I thought there was no way he was going to do it. Captain America, thank you. Oh, yeah, if you put me on the spot, it's no pressure at all. <laughs> I actually didn't think you were going to put it on. It looks great, man. It looks great. It looks great. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh. All right, so if, get that video. <laughs> if you've listened to our show, you know, we do like to have fun, but we also do like to tackle some serious topics. So yeah. on this live episode, we're going to be continuing the theme of the conference, which is holiness. We talk about holiness often, uh, so why not just continue discussing it? Now, as I've been sitting in the conference listening to all these different speakers, uh, they, they've been talking about holiness. Uh, what came to my mind was that there's a group of people that need to be fearful. Mm. And not only am I speaking of those of us who are Christians, who are followers of Christ that need to be working out our salvation with fear and trembling, but there's a group that should be extra fearful, and that is those who, who take the title of pastor yeah. and ascend to the pulpit yeah. in order to lead their congregation. Now, one of the things that I have noticed is a lack of, of pastoral leadership in the church in growing their congregation yeah. in holiness. Absolutely. Uh, now, I'm not against small groups as long as they're done the right way. Correct. But a lot of times, pastors have these small groups and they turn over portions of their congregation to small group leaders that really that aren't elders. Some of them aren't elder qualified. Yeah. And these these men have to deal with these people right. and they don't know how they don't they've had no training right. they don't they don't even know really what the scriptures say so they become kind of these community facilitators mm. while the pastor only focuses on preaching right. well that's not the role of a pastor amen so i want to start with a passage of scripture and then chris is going to read a passage of scripture and then we're just kind of open it up for discussion so yeah. the passage i'm going to read is acts 20 verse 28 be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, mm. which he purchased with his own blood. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think of uh, one of the primary examples that I wanted to share uh, in, in just kind of opening this conversation up about pastors and their, uh, their job and role and responsibility to protect and equip the flock to live and lead holy lives. Uh, so often, so many pastors say, my job is preaching. Uh, and that's an, a huge job, an important job. Uh, you know, there should be multiple days of the week uh, appointed to preparing and crafting uh, a sermon, but that's only part of it. And I think of the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 4, in verse 19, and he says this, my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. And when he says labor there, what he's referring to is the, 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 the labors that a mother would go through uh, giving birth. It is a labor of love. The pastor should labor and love over his congregation until what? Christ is formed in them. Romans 8, 29, until we have been conformed more and more into the image of Christ. So the pastor has a role, a huge role, a role that he will be held accountable for before the judgment seat of Christ in how he ushered the flock of God given to him 
unto holiness. Yeah, and we see a lot of times, uh, like when I mentioned pastors turning over their congregation to right. small groups, the pastor doesn't know what's right. going on. Right. Everything right. is right. kind of right. held within that right. small group, and nothing actually gets back to the pastor. So the pastor is not even actually connected with his church. So, so I'll just I'll stop there and I'll just kind of open it up for discussion. Well, one of the things that you end up seeing with it is th- these are more they're not unfortunately Bible studies with someone who has studied where everyone comes they've they've dug into the scriptures all week long and now they're going to expound it together. Right. It's usually, as one pastor friend of mine said, a show your ignorance study. Everyone comes having not read anything, not studied anything, and they come in and go, look how ignorant I am on what we're going to talk about. This is what I think it means to me. Uh, the, frankly, I don't care what you think it means to you. It only matters what it means. So, I mean, that's the bi- a big problem. You bring the other problem is that the pastor has no clue what's going on. Mm-hmm. And when, when, first off, if you're going to be a shepherd, you need to know everything that's going on. You need to be aware of who's teaching, what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. When you just hand that over, you end up in a position where you have s- basically people that are leading, and a lot of times this is where you have the church splits right. because right. you have someone that starts to think they're the pastor, and like you said, it's usually not someone that's qualified to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, but they, they, they start to you know, be like, oh, I, I have this, this little group that I shepherd, and they start taking like a possession of it almost like where, you know, no, they're in our group that you, they can't right. go be with those people. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and uh, one of the things that that scares every pastor, obviously, and, and, and we've heard it today, is that uh, just in, in side conversations, f- fear when you get up to the pulpit. Right. right. Because <laughs> you're expounding the word of God. Right. You're the you're yes. the messenger. You're the mouthpiece. Right. But they don't think about the people that they're over and actually being involved in their lives. So, like, whether you have uh, a pastor that's monitoring someone's social media, right? right? right, Sometimes you may need to take someone and say, I've been noticing a pattern Mm -hmm. on your social media. Let's talk about this. Is there a deeper issue? Right. Right? Yeah, well, I think about, uh, you know, we we had a conversation with the, the... uh, the pastor who was here, who spoke first, Brett, um, and w- in the conversation that we were having, uh, he was he was talking about how there was someone in his church who started posting some things about Black Lives Matter, and immediately, what did Brett do? He didn't text him. He didn't he didn't Facebook message him. He called him and said, "I'm." He didn't get into it over the phone. He said, "Hey." Brother, let, let's meet and have a conversation so that so that I can just figure out where you are, um, and, and then and then Brett was able to shepherd him, lead him, equip him through understanding the, the background, the ideologies, the doctrine of demons that that Black Lives Matter was founded upon, and the guy went and took the post down. Yeah, and and, and now and he they, didn't ask him to do that. No, 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 no. Didn't ask Brett, Brett didn't ask he, him to remove the post. He just he just equipped him. He equipped his sheep to to be able to withstand all the attacks that we're seeing in the culture and in the church. And that prevents him from the next time because now right. he's, he's learned, he's more equipped so the next time something happens, he, he already knows, okay, this, this is wrong. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's good. And, you know, I, when we talk about this idea of equipping, um, it is the pastor's job to equip. Yeah. But a lot of pastors think that just their role is equipping from the pulpit. Yeah, so they, they they don't actually personally disciple their their people, right? And I've heard people say, you, you know, how pastors we have our our pastor hat, we have our counselor hat. Well, 
I just focus on preaching. If you call me at two o'clock in the morning with something, I'm going to, the, fir- the first thing I'm going to ask you is, who's your small group leader and have you called them? Yeah. Well, at that point, if I do that and my pastor tells me that, I no longer have a pastor. That's I have right. a community organizer. Well, you didn't have a pastor in the first place. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, so I, I need my pastor to be involved in my life to know me. I need, I need him to, to watch over me, right? The, the shepherd that watches over the flock. Right. And, and if something is going on in my life where I'm, I'm hurt, right? There, there's something going on in my family. My pastor should know that not because the sheep goes to the shepherd, but because the shepherd is actively involved with the sheep. Now, if you, you have a small church, right? Because we have to look at the dynamics of church. You have a small church where you got a guy, that, my job's just to preach. That's going to that's gonna destroy the church, okay? A small church with one pastor or just a few pastors where they're not serving, they're, I'm just, my job's to preach, that's going to be harmful to the church. Now, you get a huge church where you have a lot of people, you can't have you know, the preaching pastor that's counseling everybody, right? I mean, you know, Moses had that problem. <laughs> His father-in-law said, hey, go get, go get some guys to help you out. You need that. So you do have to have someone who is a pastor, though, not just some small group leader or something like that, that, oh, that small group leader's over you. It has to be a shepherd, right. someone who is, that, that they are shepherding these groups of people. I mean, but even you take up John MacArthur, okay? If you go to Grace Community Church and you go on on Almost any Sunday, okay, not the Sunday before Shepherd's Conference, but any other <laughs> Sunday, <laughs> yeah. and you go for second service, when John gets done preaching, he stands right up front, and there forms a whole line all the way, and if, some, if you've been in that, that chapel, it goes all the way out the door is the line, and he will sit there and talk to one after another after another, and one of the neat things is you will see people come up, and I've, I've was been there, and you see people who you know, just they're, they're mentally challenged. And it is amazing to watch him when that happens because he actually changes. He, he gets real soft and quiet and get, gets real close to them. And you just see the shepherding. And he can't shepherd, you know, 9,000 people. Right, right, but right. He's, he makes himself available for anyone who's in that service. Right. But they all have, they, I mean, they have 45 pastors on staff. You know, it's <laughs> how many that's more than some churches. <laughs> well, and, 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 that, and that speaks to that, that speaks to the, the work of Dr. MacArthur and the master seminary to in equipping men yeah. and, and growing men and, and, and the work of the word at that church. You know, I, I've heard a pastor of a church of 700 say things like this. And I'm quoting, there's no way I can effectively pastor 700 people. I'm like, then get out of the ministry. Yeah. Sit down, go home. Plan a church and let them it, 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 and it, it, raise up another pastor. Yeah, 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 yeah and that's the thing. Yeah. He's got to raise. A, he he's. It's true. He can't by himself effectively no, no, do it. No, but his job is to do just like Christ. Get a group of men yeah. that will do that. Yeah. I mean, when when Christ would come to town, it's like okay, here we're going to send everyone out two by two. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. You, <clears throat> when you were talking about John MacArthur, it made me think of uh, after Shepherd or G three yeah. this year. Yeah. We went to go visit at Praise Mill, Josh Bice's church, and Paul Washer was guest preaching. And Paul gave a, a really hard-hitting uh, me, wait, sermon. When doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is there ever a Touché. time that Paul Washer does that? <laughs> but it it'd, was, be, it'd be easier to count the times he hasn't done that. <laughs> and I think that number would be zero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but 
he said from the pulpit, he said, if I didn't have to catch a plane right after this, I would sit down here as long as it took and minister to each person that needs ministering. Now, you visited one time, and just because we have relationship with Josh, right, it's, yeah. it's easy to go down and just, you know, pal around and have conversation. But you noticed he was engaged in ministry with, with needing people in his church. Yes. And so you, did, you didn't take that time to cut in and say, no. you, you know, hey, let, let, let's, let's no, talk and plan no, time no. to get together. Nope. He was minister, actively ministering to the people of his church down in front, which is where the pastor should. Well, he did that uh, when I was at Grace Community Church one week, and Paul Washer was the guest speaker, and afterwards he did that. He just he sat up front, and people did the line just like they would for MacArthur, you know, just talking with him. Well, I, you know, I, I go to passages like First uh, Peter 5. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, not but, but voluntarily, <laughs> according to what? The will of God. And not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And, and, and I think about that. That's a command. Mm -hmm. that, is, that, that is not a, an option. That is not a, hey, you know, if you feel like you could do this, yeah. here's, here, here's how you could do it. This is how you're supposed to do it. Not because, not, not because under compulsion, but something I want to talk about now are, are the, the authority that sometimes pastors will, will try mm -hmm. to wield, thinking that they, that they are up here mm -hmm. and their sheep are down here. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, like we were talking bef before we had recorded, like talk about holiness with the pastor. And there is a problem with some pastors. And what it is, is they want to be, and, and they want to be the head guy. And unfortunately, the reason I think many pastors are not preaching holiness, are not preaching hermeneutics, how to interpret the Bible, mm -hmm. is because they want to be depended upon for counseling. Yeah. <clears throat> they want everyone to come to them. And, and I, there's some, I think, that are afraid if everyone doesn't come to them, well, they may stop paying me. You know, it, it could affect things. They, they have to need me. I, I literally was in a church where we, we watched one guy who, when he was, he was leaving the ministry, he was retiring, uh, going out of Florida, and I watched person after person give testimony that this man was holding their marriage together. What were they going to do? And wow. I thought that was really strange. I would be horrified with, with hearing that. And unfortunately, two years later, those same people all ended up divorced. And I realized that man was actually holding their marriage together, not Christ. That's a failure at the pulpit. That's a failure of the pulpit because they want everyone to depend upon them. So they're not going to preach holiness because if they preach holiness, people are not going to need them. And, and that becomes a problem in the pulpit. You know, one of the things that th this is how I, you know, endear myself to pastors sometimes. I, I had a pastor when I was I, I wasn't a pastor and I was in a church and I had this guy. We, he come out. He's our new pastor. And because I was the I was seminary trained, uh, he was. You know, I was in the leadership, and he kept saying to me, he would talk to me different than, than the other guys in leadership. He'd be like, Andrew, that's why they're sheep and we're pastors. And it always bugged me every time wow. he said that. Wow. So the way I endured myself to him was I just turned to him, and I'm like, Randy, don't forget, you're a sheep too, and so am I. 
that was kind of the last time he wanted to have me in leadership. <laughs> you kind of have that effect on me. <laughs> don't, don't, you can't bother people with the truth. I know. We, we've look, talked about this. Look, you feelings know, don't I, care about your facts, okay? Okay, that's right. <laughs> I'm just going to, look, I'm just going to quote Vice President Pence, okay? You can have your opinions, but you can't have your own facts. You know, when you were reading that passage in First Peter that talks about uh, uh, the commands, mm -hmm. so what we can really say is any pastor that doesn't hold to those commands, that doesn't seek uh, to actually have uh, a congregation growing in holiness, yeah. right, those who he will give account to mm -hmm. is not, one, he's not qualified, mm -hmm. and he's not a pastor. And he is outside of the will of God for that position. And, and does that not terrify, right? To, to, to think, to think of, we've been talking about holiness all weekend. And you think about the thrice holy God, as R.C. Sproul used to say. And you think about the power with, with which he, uh, he operates. He doesn't lift a finger for, for, for the, er, the earth to stay on its axis. He doesn't lift a finger. He speaks the universe into existence by the breath of his mouth. He gives life to stars and us. And he's called you to shepherd his children mm -hmm. and his bride. And, 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 and you're going to do what? Yeah. You know, Ooh. if you, I don't care if you're getting up and doing open air evangelism or you're preaching behind a pulpit, if you, are, if you can get up there without nervousness, right. it's a problem. Yeah, yeah I, I, remember, I remember my son, I, I used to run a lot. I have to say used to now because it's been a while. <laughs> but, <laughs> as, and it shows. But, but the thing is that I used to have this watch that would check my heart rate. And I used to only wear it when running, but I forgot I wore it one Sunday. And I was just curious. I put my finger on it, you know. Mm -hmm. And before getting up to preach, now my resting heart rate was in the high 50s, low 60s. Wow. Before I get up to preach, it was like between 100 and 120. Yeah. Oh and yeah. I'm sure it gets even higher because, oh yeah. you know, I'm just like, you, you know, folks don't see this, but I like, I'm sweating profusely. I feel going I down too, my back yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. why? Because we're standing up there and saying, thus says the Lord. And the last thing I want to do on judgment day Oof. is hear God say, you know what, Andrew, you got that one wrong. I, I mean, I don't mind my seminary professor saying you missed the point. <laughs> okay, yeah. but I don't want to hear God say, you know, you're, you're at the Cruciform Conference and you totally missed the point. <laughs> mm. Right. I, I think it's James who says w when we're teaching with we have many words and we're going to be accountable for even to a yes. higher yes. standard yes. for that. Yep. Well, and, and you today, this morning, I, I was I was I terrified. I, I, this is the first, uh, number one, it's the first time I've, I've spoken publicly and um, since COVID, but, but then number two, it's just like, I mean, you, you think about, and I'm, my topic is the holiness of the Holy Scriptures and approaching that. I'm like, no, I don't want to talk about this. Like what? Um, you think it was more fun to talk through Leviticus? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and people stay awake? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I think, you know, I, I think back to, to Second uh, Timothy, Second Timothy four, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his and, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And why? Because the, the, the time will come and is here. Let, let me just say that. 
that they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Like, that, that's a charge in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ. That should terrify anyone who would ever stand to say, thus says yeah. the Lord. Yeah, you, you know, w- w- the passage uh, that, that you just read about uh, that people will go after teachers that w- they'll have itching ears, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so they'll, they'll go after people that are saying the things that they want to say. Yeah, actually, Basically. wait, wait. Actually, everyone that is in the Clouds Without Water seminar from Justin yeah, Peters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, Clouds Without Water 1 and Clouds Without Water 2. That's right. Which, if you would have come to Cruciform Conference, you could have picked that up. I'm just saying. That's right. Just saying. But, or go to justinpeters.com. <laughs> or, no, nah, I'll save or that for the end. Org, <laughs> but what we see is even in churches that would claim to be Reformed churches or Bible-teaching churches, solid churches, there's people that are going after false ministries, right, what, through things like music, right? And we think about ministries like Bethel, and I use that term loosely, ministry. Uh, <coughs> Bethel, Hillsong. But their pastors aren't doing anything about it. As long as it's, if, if it's not played oh, in the on, church— you know, they're fine with it not being played in the church, but they don't care if they listen to it in their own car. So there's no, there's no discipleship going on to say, yeah, there's a reason we don't play it in the church, therefore you shouldn't play it in your car or expose your family to it. That goes, again, that goes back to the, right? You think about the, the, the word picture of a shepherd. And you think about what that is, and, and if you guys have never heard, speaking of Dr. John MacArthur, talk about his experience um, overseas, I think it was in Scotland, I, I, I don't want to say that for 100%, but he actually got to go hang out with actual shepherds and see the job of a shepherd, how hard it was, but how intimately involved in every intricate detail of the life of the sheep a shepherd has to be. So when it comes to stuff like that, you have to realize that by you not standing and saying, no, because you're afraid that you're going to lose someone in the seat who's lining your pocket. You're afraid to say, no, you should not support this ministry. It's not a ministry. It's a cult or a country club. It's not a church. Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation are all run by false teachers, not qualified. Get them off your phones. Get them off your computers. Get them out of your ears. They will lead you astray, period, paragraph, It doesn't matter what it costs you. Stand for biblical truth. Encourage your people that, look, when you listen to these ministries— I told you I was going to go off. I, when you listen to these, <laughs> don't, don't, don't you wish you'd stop beating around the bush? Yeah. I know, right? You listen get to, to the point, Chris. I'm trying. <laughs> you listen to these ministries. Let me publicly say that you are financially supporting them. Worship leaders, worship leaders. Let me let me just talk to you for a minute. Every time you, I'm going to look at the camera too. I'm going to look at you guys. Every time you play Bethel, Hillsong, Elevation, here's what you're doing. You're giving them money. You are financially contributing to false teaching, the doctrine of demons. People who are saying and supporting homosexuality, uh, they are supporting Black Lives Matter. They are supporting any and everything that Colossians 2.8 says turns his people away from the teachings of Christ. So whenever you put a song in planning center and you, you play that song at church, here's what you're doing. You are paying them royalties. Planning Center uh, uses a, a, a company called CCLI, which is the Christian Copyright Licensing. And every time you play a song, 
by a ministry like that, you're contributing to their pockets. You are funding heresy. Now, how that opens up even farther is you say, well, it's okay, you know, we're just playing it in our church. Well, think about this. In Planning Center, as a worship leader, you attach song files that people go and do what? Download and listen to. You attach chord charts, which guess what? Have uh, numbers attached to them that pay these ministries. Pastors, you are the worship leader. You control. You need to be regulated by God's perfect, sufficient word. Stop. Stop giving your people garbage. Okay, sorry. Hold on. Because here's the thing you see with this, because people are going to go, well, we don't don't give the money. Well, if you have CCLI, you are supposed to report what songs you do, and you're supposed to give money to that. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and I'm a little fearful because this is from Justin Peters, and he's sta- he's sitting back there. Okay, he's but judging he, us right yeah. now. <laughs> if I get this wrong, we're gonna end up in the next yes. clouds without. Yeah, the, the, the one thing, the one thing, I, for my for my life, if I die and never end up in a clouds without water seminar, I'm good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> but but the thing is, you know, Justin uses an illustration, and and for for you to think about, if you had really good music, I mean, outstanding music with great lyrics being produced by Planned Parenthood. Mm. Would you sing that in your church? If the answer is no, then why would you do it with Bethel? That's that's Justin's argument. Uh, So I got to give kudos. Yeah. 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 So so we did a thing where um, I was asked to compile some some quotes from Bill Johnson and, and Bethel and and things like that. So I did gave it to to a pastor but along with that because the argument was can a song stand on its own merits so i went looking for uh songs and i found these songs that looking at them reading the lyrics you can justify biblically i mean you go okay i can defend that i can defend that that's biblical that's biblical that's accurate they were mormon songs Mormons were singing those songs, and you would never give a song out of out of a Mormon temple and sing it in your church. No, no. When you when you think about the, the whole the whole purpose of gathering, again, we're talking about holiness as far as pastors and pastoring the church. You think about the the why do you gather? You, you gather as a church. The ecclesia, the gathered physical gathered assembly. You cannot have online church. Let me just say that. Okay, there's no such thing as online church. Um, yes, we can use technology like we're using now to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what's the purpose of gathering? Well, here's one found in Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So n- notice, notice Paul's progression there. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. And notice what's happening through the singing of songs. Admonishing. We are leading each other, um, admonishing each other when we gather together as the church, singing to God. So, again, pastors, in, in the pursuit of leading your people in holiness, two things. You are the worship leaders. Be intimately involved with the songs that are picked. Be intimately involved with the scripture that's shared from the call of worship to the benediction. Now, let me say something else. During your church service, that is not the time for you to be forming up and finishing your notes for your sermon. You need to be with your flock, 
singing with them. They need to see you. They need to see what God's word has done in you as you've prepared for your sermon and how you respond to that as you are singing with your people. Look, for a pastor, a sermon is never done until it's preached. And even then, it's not done. Because, I mean, I... I finished a message. I still go home, and the first thing I'm yeah. doing is taking more notes yes, yes, of all things yes. I thought of that I didn't say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Or mark so, out what you shouldn't have said. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, me. the, the fact of it, it's like, well, it's not done yet. I still got more I could do. Yes, there's always more you could do on your sermon. Right. But when worship is there, you, you're to worship. And, you know, Amen. one of the things that we have to recognize, I mentioned this on, you know, yesterday in my message. The thing we have to recognize, and every pastor must recognize, that God demands holiness from us and he has the right to demand holiness because he is our creator yeah so he demands this because it is his prerogative to demand holiness Mm. and so when when a pastor thinks that he's above because he's he's the pastor he has then failed it's a dereliction of duty yes yes in what he does yes he's called not he's not called to to he's not he's the lead slave he is the lead slave. Yeah. That he is the one that is seeking to, 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 to serve I, I, at, 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 at any beck and call, whatever it is, when, whenever it is. Mm-hmm. He is the one that is, is a slave to all that he may yeah. win more. Yeah, and so I'm thinking about uh, a lot of people, and, and this, this will actually tie into one of the necessities of, of expository preaching, because a lot of people don't know how to study, and how to read their Bible. Mm. So you go to a church that has solid exposition of Scripture. The people, because how do you know what God re- requires of, of holiness? It's in his word. So the preacher that is properly expositing the word of God is actually not just edifying them and giving them the word, but he's teaching them practically right in front of their eyes how to open up the Scripture and then apply it to their lives. Now, okay, so let me, uh, a few weeks ago, I interviewed Paul Shirley on my podcast on The Rap Report. He's got a book out, very small book, okay, it's maybe 100 pages, called Expositional, Expositionary Sanctification, mm-hmm. basically on the importance of expositional preaching for our sanctification. Mm-hmm. This is the only book I know that is not written to pastors about preaching. It's written to the congregation. I went out and bought like 20 copies for every family in my church to say, read this because this will help you when you sit in a pew and hear preaching because this is what we have to understand, that the preaching of God's word is not so the pastor can get paid. And it's not so that he can study, and it's not so that we don't have to study. The preaching of the Word of God is for our sanctification, for our holiness. And that, I mean, I, I really recommend that book because it was just, now, and so, Son, you were saying, one of the things he ends that book with is that he was told from a pastor that Sunday, Sunday starts Saturday night, right? You have so many people, they stay up late Saturday night because that's their weekend, and then they get up Sunday and they're like, in church, right? right. You know, and, and right. look, you know, he, Paul had said in the interview, and, and I can attest this as a pastor, if people say, you know, do, do you think the pastor sees you when you're sleeping? Yes, we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we see every single one that's sleeping. I've told my congregation there's a simple way when, to know when someone is sleeping in, in the congregation because I have found instead of like calling someone out and being, hey, wake up, you know, <laughs> right? some guys just shout. I use humor. 
I find a way to use humor because it wakes kind of wakes yeah. people up, right? So basically, anytime I'm using humor, look around. Right. No. <laughs> 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 but but expositional preaching is something that God has ordained for our sanctification. He didn't say drama. Mm. He he didn't say great, you know, singing. He said preach. Even though it's the foolishness of the world, oh, come on. this is what we do. Amen. We preach God's word. Not our word. Yes. It is not for the pastor to come some creative terms. What is it that Paul said? We didn't come to you with fancy crafty words and crafty yeah. words. Yeah. No, we come to you with God's word and proclaim it to you because that is what will sanctify us. Now, mm. what does it mean to sanctify? That means to be holy, to be set apart. Yeah, now, so when we're, to go back to the illustration of John MacArthur when he went to go look at the work that shepherds actually do. Now, it's not just shepherds are fending off the bears, the wolves, the coyotes. There's also little ticks that can get on on sheep and that can bring about diseases that that can make the sheep useless, right? So when we, going back to the worship, people will say, well, worship, it's just a little harmless thing. No, that's a tick that, that's infesting your church, that's spreading disease. When we don't preach expositionally and we preach kind of pragmatically, we, we, we make us the focus rather than God the focus, that's a tick let, let me that's just, spreading. Oh, I'm sorry. Let, let, let me just piggyback on that for a second, uh, j- just as far as the worship piece, and then I promise I will stop beating that horse. Do you but, believe that? No, I haven't done it yet. I mean, when when you lead worship for almost twenty twenty years, it's 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 just you can't help it. And um, but let me just say this: it's like you know, I always use this illustration when it comes to it's not harmless. To your point, I love the way you said that because think about this: if I were to ask anybody in this room to stand up and sing the ABCs, I guarantee you most of the people here would go A B C D E F G. Right? That tone, that melodic tone, melody and music was created to teach us so it's not harmless to sit up there and play a song that says this is how I fight my battles a hundred times it's not harmless it's it it, it is harmful that's teaching theology songs teach theology Mm -hmm. or to say God didn't want heaven without us or or when he was on the cross he only thought of you above all. So let me ask you, what, what book of the Bible has the most? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the book of Psalms. The book that was put to song for people to, to memorize. The one that would be, there are certain songs that would be sung at certain times a year as a regular thing. And, and the thing with that, when you grow up hearing certain songs, Okay, you still, even though I have forgotten many of the words, you know, if if I'm sitting and I and I'm at a synagogue or I'm at a, you know, a Hanukkah, you know, where we're doing the lighting of candles, it brings back a nostalgic thing of remembering singing those things. And I can remember the meaning of it. I forgot some of the words and (laughs) the translated. But but this is what song does. It helps us in the remembering of things. That's why God put all this theology to music. Now that doesn't mean we should be the, like the you know those Presbyterians that only use <laughs> uh, just, right, just right. for the record. We well, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, just just speaking just speaking as someone who who was a worship pastor and who who was a worship leader for a long time, it's you know even 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 at this conference, and I'm not I'm not speaking ill of the person who led worship because he did a phenomenal job, but I will tell you this: the songs that that 
that garnered the most um, uh, emotional reaction from me. Um, well, I wouldn't say just from you, but everybody yeah, participate participation and emotional yes. reaction from everybody were the songs that had the richest theology, and it was hymns hymns so you know he stepped up to the mic yesterday and started playing before the throne of god above i have a strong and perfect plea my great high priest whose name is love whoever lives and pleads for me are you kidding me are you kidding me like that's i couldn't speak when you start thinking about that uh you know and 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 again god is holy and not not to not to knock anybody but you know i I get more out of that than just going holy is the lord god almighty the earth is filled with i mean it's true it's scripture but when you think about, about what theology is supposed to do, what, it, it, it is, our, our doxology has to be fueled by our theology. We cannot have a right doxology of God, a, a response to God, without knowing, knowing doctrine. You cannot divorce the two. Right, right. Sorry, so, 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 I mean, uh, and, and just staying on hymns, because there's a lot of people that don't like hymns because they're too wordy, right? Well, they're supposed to be, because there's more teaching and theology and praise and glory given to, to Christ than saying, ooh, ah, oh, whoa, whoa. You know, I, 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 was, I, was, I was talking, talking with, with telling Justin about this, uh, you know, we were driving over from the hotel, and I remember reading in, in the early 90s uh, an article in Charismatic Magazine that was basically blasting, and I was, I, you know, I was in an independent fundamental seminary, and so they were blasting the fundamentalists. And the reason they were blasting the fundamentalists was the argument was, look, 75% of the songs are written by charismatics for charismatics. You condemn our emotional worship, and yet you sing our songs in your service. I was like, wow, they got it right. Yeah. You know, when I, when I was a pastor, I, I think I shared this, but we, I had a song leader that sometimes made the mistake of not running a song by me before singing it. Yeah. And I would, I had this thing that I would do. He said, I'd, I'd look at the lyrics and I would look, I'd look at him, I'd point in the air, I'd point at me, I'd point in the air, I'd point at me. And he knew what that meant. This, is this song about God or is it about me? Even if it's about what God did, it's a lot of them are about me, what God did for me, because I'm so important. Right. No, you're not. <laughs> so, so can we, uh, w- one other thing I wanted to talk about with this is, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, uh, I, I, I don't know that. I, I mean, I could, but I won't. Um, so uh, what about something that, that we were talking about again, offline, just kind of just kind of uh, side conversations. We were talking about uh, the, the pastor's use of Christian liberty and, and, and the pastor's personal holiness and even appearance of personal holiness. You know, one, one of my the, the, there's a there's a saying that has become the bane of my existence is that perception is reality. And I'm like, no, no, reality is reality. I mean, perception can sometimes be, be twisted. However, when it comes to a pastor, if you are called to stand on a platform, herald God's holy word, uh, and shepherd his sheep, there, there are specific qualifications and, and character traits that are laid out in the pastoral epistles. The only skill that you find in the pastoral epistles is they are to be able to teach, which we've talked about. So, so but what about those pastors out there, again, who, who maybe are, are, are trying to maybe care about the holiness of, of their flock, but then they're going out and saying whatever, drinking whatever, eating whatever, smoking whatever, watching whatever, um, and then also trying to do that. Well, I'll give a, a personal testimony in that way. Uh, my first pastor, he moved into a new house, and um, 
so he and I moved him from one house to the new house. And the people that had the new house, what they did was they, they, as a present, they left him a bottle of champagne in the refrigerator. But we really didn't have time. Ministry takes a lot of time. We just yeah. we take we brought his food over to shove that that bottle went in the back of the fridge. He didn't even know it was back there. He was back there for about two and a half years. And one day we're having Bible study, and someone you know goes to get milk from the fridge. Uh, a couple days later, mm-hmm. pastor calls me up, says, "Hey, we got to go. We got to go down to the to jail. You got to get so and so." And uh, what happened? Well, he was drunk and he was chasing a train naked. We're like, what in the world? So we're, we're coming back with him and talking with him. And, and pastor's like, what were you thinking? He was like, well, you drink, so I figured it was okay for me to drink. And he's like, what in the world makes you yeah. think I could drink? Well, when I got the milk out of your refrigerator, I saw a bottle of champagne. Mm. He took that bottle. He spilled it out. He put it in a brown bag so that you couldn't even see there was a bottle in it. He then took it to the dump so it wasn't even in his garbage can. And he, said, and he, and he taught me a very valuable lesson. He said, don't ever allow anything that can give appearance of evil because a man's sinful heart will want to take that and use it to justify their sin. Well, yeah, I, I, there was a, there was a past, the pastor who married my wife and I actually, he, he told me a story that uh, he and his family, we live just north of Atlanta, they were in Florida at Disney. And he uh, he was with his family and he was just that uh, they were eating dinner and he was just like, you know, I mean, what, what would be the harm if I if I had if I had a drink. Right. Um, he started thinking about that. And um, uh, and then but but he didn't. He just said, you know, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, now, they went to ask for the check and um, and the waitress was like, oh, somebody already paid for you. Evidently, there were some people here that knew you from your church that paid for your meal. And so <laughs> he said, he said, and that's exactly what he said. He said, what would that have looked now? Would it have been biblically wrong for me to have a drink while sitting there with my family? No, but, but what could that have looked like to them? Um, uh, you know, and, and I think about my, myself personally, I mean, there was a, uh, there, were, there was somebody that I looked up to and revered years ago, uh, in the Christian community, very, very popular guy. And, um, I saw a picture of him in a restaurant with a beer in front of him. It shook me for a minute. It was just like, well, that's not okay, or is it? You know, I, I mean, it's so it's just it's it, it's it's giving the not just yes, you're striving to be holy, but it's making sure you have to remember yeah. that as a pastor, you're always on stage. You're held to a higher standard. I, yeah. I remember um, for for Chinese New Year, my, and for those that don't know, my wife is from Hong Kong, so we, you know, Chinese New Year is a big deal. But we went out uh, f- to to a restaurant, and you know th- what they'll do is pour tea into regular glasses, okay. And so we had a picture with, with all of us there and, you know, unsafe family. So they actually had some sake. But, you know, but someone accused me of drinking wine mm. because the tea looked like wine. Right. And so so ever since then, you know, I had to explain it. But I just said, OK, after that, you know, there's, there's I, I like before we take pictures, I look around to see if there's anything that someone might misinterpret. Mm. You know, it, I mean, it's it's kind of sad that we have to do that. But the thing is, is. You know, is my liberty worth more than someone's soul? Nope. Now, it's like, okay, it's not that they're going to lose their salvation or not be safe from it. What I'm talking about is their sanctification. They may, they, they're saved, but do I want to be responsible and stand before God for possibly causing a stumbling block in front of somebody? Yeah, yeah and, you know, Justin said it in, in his first message that, you know, because we're, we're part of the, the Reformed uh, groups, right? right? The, 
we, we hold strongly to our 1689 and our, uh, our solas, our five solas, <laughs> and, and our doctrines of grace. But there's websites that put out a lot of, you know, good Christian uh, apparel and things like that. But alongside that, that there's flasks that you can buy. Well, one of the problems in, in reform groups is we like to lean on our Christian liberty of drinking, smoking cigars, you know, growing long beards, uh, <laughs> and, and, and things like that. But what about, what does that say to the person who has struggled with alcoholism, mm -hmm. right? What does that say to them? And saying, well, you need to take dominion over that, as I've heard, okay, is the wrong answer. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. Okay, so, so look, you, you have people who struggle with that. I, I remember talking to someone that I said, look, you're po every day he's posting a different beer that he's having. And I said, you know, I, I don't have a struggle with this, but there are people who do. Do you really want to be responsible for causing them to stumble? Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I struggle with gluttony, so you post pictures of food. I said, if you really struggle, I'll stop. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's Paul, where, where he says, we're talking about eating meat, sacrificed to yeah. idols. Well, then I won't well, eat okay, meat. Let me, let me give you one, because this was, you, you ever have the counseling that you've never had before? Like the, the call that is like, wow, I don't know how to deal with this one. So, so <laughs> I, I had someone, uh, someone that called me, someone in the church, he's like, Pastor, you got to help me out. I got a, the guy in New York. He just, he, a friend of his is an evangelist. He, he's talking to the guy that has the halal food in New York, these vendors, and that he, he witnesses to him all the time. Well, the guy got saved. And now he's got to figure out, can he continue selling his halal food? Because it's, it's, they do it. They, it, part of the halal food includes prayers and things like that to bless it. And so he has this conviction now. He's like, he goes, Pastor, like, I, my friend knows that this is, the food is nothing, but can he keep in business and doing this? And I just said, well, what does he think? Does, is it his conscience telling him that this is sinful? If the answer is yes, he's got to stop. He's like, but, but then he's got to find a new job. Sell hot dogs. They go well in New York. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now let's kind of bring this back to the, the, the practical Right. How do we how do we apply this? So so maybe a pastor's listening. Right. And they're convicted and they say, OK, I haven't been, you know, focusing on growing my congregation in holiness. Where's a good place for them to start? Genesis one to revelate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> God wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, part of it is that I mean, go go verse by verse, because you, know, you, you mentioned it when you're not preaching expositionally. It is so easy to skip over the sins you struggle with, right? I mean, if you're going to struggle an area, oh, you know what? I'm going to just boop, go right over that one. We'll, hey, we'll talk about love today. You know, we're, we'll talk about something I'm, I'm, I, can, I can preach, you know. Um, the reality is we have to preach verse by verse and preach what the text says, even if it hurts us. The, the message must, if there's a pastor listening, the message must come through us as pastors before it gets to the congregation. If it's not, if it's not sanctifying us, how is that message going to sanctify the people? Yep. Yeah, and, and to tag on to that, this is why you can't really trust pastors that say, well, I had a message prepared, 
but the Holy Spirit told me that I need to preach no, this you, message. You didn't have a message prepared. No, because you, you didn't have a message prepared, the Holy Spirit didn't speak to you, and you have not had enough time to prepare and study and draw out whatever it is you're going to say. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you can't, if you've already prepared a message, because I have, I have done that. I was at a men's conference where I had a topic, mm-hmm. and just listening to, to men over the week and you know, talking, I ended up realizing, you know what, there's a different message I've already prepared that would fit better here. Now, we're not saying you can't do that. It's when you just go, I'm going to go off the cuff in something I haven't studied. Then you know what? It becomes a so your ignorant sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Chris, uh, final thoughts. Is there anything that you want to add as we begin to wrap up here? Can we talk about how good his message was? You know what? Let's. 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 Because that was a phenomenal message. Not to embarrass him too much. But I, I've already said that th- that was a message that it's like I, I gave up taking notes because, <laughs> I, first of all, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of the Watson quotes down or the, the scripture <laughs> references, okay? Um, I mean, he was a second one that just, like, plagiarized God pretty much in his sermon. Mission accomplished. Isn't that what Philip Melanchthon said about Calvin? He's just the, the, the great plagiarist because yeah. wow. he quotes scripture? Yeah, because there was a lot of it. But, but there, man, that was so rich in, in theology and in scripture that, I, I, like I told you, I have to go back and listen to that. And it's going to be one I'm going to listen to a couple times to get enough of the notes. It really was, it, it, it hit every point and nailed it on every point that you made. Well, you know why that is. Because no, be, be, because if you listen to the introduction, he he's a graduate from uh, the teachings of Stephen Lawson's YouTube channel. So yeah, that was he has learned. He has that, but, that came from him, by the that, way. Yeah. I did. I, that wasn't in your bio. No, no, no I, that was not. I, me. I gave that at the last minute. I said, "Say this." Yeah. You have to word it the way that he said it. He is a, he is of the school of Stephen Lawson's. YouTube, YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there but, was a yeah. but no, let me tell you. So, so Chris and I talk every day. Oh, yeah. And, and basically, his, what, what you heard in his sermon is, is really our conversations every day. So we're preaching to one another every single day about things we want to talk about, about things that are going on in our life. So what you heard was what we talk about every single day. So I hear him preach all the time. And even when he goes to preach, he'll tell me, he'll say, man, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Well, he told me that, but then he left out all the gems that he just <laughs> dropped. And so I was kind of not, I was like, where'd that come from? You didn't tell me that. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if that's the case, can I get in on these phone calls? Cause dude, that was sanctifying what I heard hey. preached. <laughs> I need that every day. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, first of all, thank you. That's 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 incredibly kind, uh, incredibly humbling coming from coming from you, brother, and and coming from you especially because well, I mean, we do talk every day. So, uh, final thoughts. Uh, you know, uh, the the devil's in the details. Um, aim small, miss small for pastors. Uh, when it, when it comes to number one, your personal holiness, like, like we've talked about, the the appearance. Uh, uh, perception does matter, um, a- as we've shared. But but then you must be intimately involved. In ev- you can't say I don't like social media. You can't do that as a pastor in 2020. You have to like social media. And then when you're forced to have to use social media, then you become to an apologist broad- for it. First you be- of all. you <laughs> become <laughs> an apologist, but then you're forced to use it in yes. order to even get your messages out because we can't gather to meet. 
Right, right. So, so, so uh, no, the just, just, sorry, just, this is a protest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Meet. Yeah. Just Gather. meet. Meet. Just meet. Church assembly. You know, yeah, I heard yeah. that. We need. I think, didn't Captain America say that? I think he did. Yeah. There's a poster or something. Yeah. 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 We need to get that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, the, the devil's in the details. Remember that, that you need to be intimately involved, um, intimately involved in, 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 in what um, what your congregation is listening to, uh, everything from the music, like like I I drilled into the ground, um, but but then also what, I mean what, what sermons are they listening to outside of yours and encourage them to do so, encourage them to know who they're to listening grow to you know and, and and look I mean the, the goal for your people the goal for your people as a pastor and I'm not a pastor I'm not an elder but let me just say this if I were I would not want this I would not want this to be said about my people. Okay, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good from evil. I would not want that to be said about anyone that I'm pastoring mm-hmm. in, in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. You know, a, a good church is one where when the pastor retires or leaves, there's no change. There's people that step up, oh, take man. the pulpit, yeah. continue the work, and there you know, it might be a different person at the pulpit. Right. But the work continues going forward. Yeah. Amen. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would encourage pastors. Um, your job is not just to preach. Yeah. Now, you can edify the church through your preaching, which you should. You can counsel your church through your preaching, which you should. But if your focus is also not to grow your congregation in their personal holiness, then I don't know what you are doing calling yourself a pastor. Because of that title, pastor, you are a shepherd of a flock. You are an overseer. You have a responsibility. Now, if, you're, if your congregation is too big, then you need to be training up men Come on. who are elder Come qualified on. to oversee a group of people and, and their let needs. Them do it. And let them do it. Don't just train them and let them sit there because then they become a swamp. They become a swamp. That's right. Nothing good comes out of a swamp. Right. Only bacteria. Okay. <laughs> so... So be, be conscious and be uh, eager yeah. for the growth of your congregation in personal holiness. Um, I had something else I was going to say, but it me, slipped me, right me, out of my head. Let me back off what you said, because there's one other thing. You know what a pastor can't do from the pulpit properly? They'll say, well, I disciple from the pulpit. No, you don't. You can't disciple from a pulpit, no, because can't. that's one directional conversation. That's right. You you disciple one on one. You don't disciple from a pulpit. That's right. Yeah, and, and one of the things, especially with, with, with discipleship, because let, let's touch on that real quick. If there are people within your church that are hurting, they haven't shown up in a while, and you haven't reached out to them to find out what's going on, I don't know what you're doing. Excuse me a minute. I gotta make yeah. a <laughs> Right? People who, because there are people in your church who are hurting. The, during COVID, right, where churches had to shut down, people are hurt, 
hurting because they're losing their jobs, they're losing their houses, they can't pay their bills, and then you have pastors going on vacations. Multiple. T- mo- be- during that time. Well, you have to go on sabbatical. No, no, that is not the time. That is the time to roll up your sleeves, put your work boots on, and go start meeting people and making sure that their needs are taken care of through the church. So, pastors, do your job. Well, 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 hold on. I, I, did, you, did you have no, something else? No, okay, cause, so. Cause I just know I heard rumor that you guys interviewed Justin Peters. And we did. Final we, we did. So, so this was. So and, and, and we. I, I just I, want an opportunity to. <laughs> I, so we. I wait for the episode to hear this. <laughs> I want to make sure that he hears what I would say before. Okay, so, okay. so, so we asked. One of the things that we, we did, just because of, of talking with, with Justin and, and, and Andrew all weekend. Um, d- just the pot shots that were taken were incredible. Um, and so, so we asked just, Justin, hey, is there anything you want to say? Man, about we him? opened the door we, we opened for a good one. Open. Where he couldn't respond, we yeah. opened yeah. up the door for him to just let Andrew have it. So and in you, the interest of not showing yeah, partiality, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we wanna, since I have to wait for the episode okay. to hear what he said. I mean, I was going to say it now, but oh, I mean, no, go ahead. No, you can't. If it's your show. No, no, I want to hear what. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, want you, I just want you to open the door so I get it. The, the door's door. open. Oh, oh, the door's open. open. Walk through it. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could tell a story of why Matt Slick calls him spiritual Batman, but, well, that, oh, we could do it really quick, because it actually talks to his character. Okay. All right. If you don't know why Matt Slick calls Justin Peters a spiritual Batman, is because Justin Peters is a man who so fears God. That he, he, with crutches and all, goes to, to uh, Todd Bentley service, walks up behind Todd Bentley to confront him face to face. Now, you got to hear Justin tell the story because it's we way did, better. Actually. We did. It, 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 it's, it's in the body. It, you love the story. It's great. So go listen to Matters of Theology when Justin Peters comes out because it's a great story. But, but it talks to his character. Okay, he, he hates when I say this, but it proves that it's true that he is the humblest man I have ever met. Okay? This is something I think I, I share this with you guys. Okay, for, for who, those who don't know, you know, obviously those who see him, he has cerebral palsy. We, we joke, um, you know, when he has to get ready in the morning, he comes over, I come over to the hotel room, I have to help get his socks on, shoes on, because he, he just can't do that. Do you know this man will say sorry because I have to help him get dressed and get his shoes on? Now, granted, when he says that, I tell him you have to stop, and he doesn't. He says sorry for that, so I smack him with his own sock. Right? <laughs> this is the character of Justin Peters. There, there is a reason, you know. There's, you know, Justin talked about in his message that we are to defend our wives, and that's absolutely true. Uh, you'll never, ever hear me use my wife as a butt of a joke. That's really clear. Um, I, I've actually confronted people who made the mistake of making a joke n- of, about my wife, not in general, but like in the, or not in person, but like just a general joke about wives, but directing at me. And he found out very quickly how serious I take that. But I also take it just as serious. I get very, very defensive of Justin Peters when people come out and lash out at him. I do, for a very simple reason. I know this man's heart. He is so caring. And, you know, he just wants to please God. 
it is humbling. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I've shared this on my podcast on the rap report several, you know, several months ago. I, I had a, m a medical problem that occurred and I had to have a catheter, not a fun story. Um, <laughs> very painful one. Um, but I was in a situation where my wife had to, I couldn't put my socks on or my shoes. I couldn't bend over and my wife had to help me. I was now in the position where Justin was and, and I'm sitting here and the only thing I could think about was that I'm complaining about the situation I'm in and the way I feel. And Justin knows, because I say this all the time to, to him, I have never once in my life heard him complain about anything. And I'm sitting here looking at my wife as she's putting my socks on and I'm like, wow. Yeah, I want to follow him as he follows Christ. You know, when we were in the Philippines together and people were asking about our relationship and all, and I, I jokingly would say that, you know, and this sounds, and I was saying this before, I, you know, for a long time before, you know, Virgil and, and uh, Daryl would say it, but I will be Robin to his Batman any day. Uh, I have said that if I, if I was, if I could, if I was financially in a position where I didn't need money and all, I, my, my wife supports me on this, I would shut down striving fraternity and just go be with him, not to speak, but just to take care of him. Yep. So, so are you ready to hear what he said about you? Oh, you're not going to make me wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we open we open the door when we interviewed Justin for uh, <laughs> so so you can have a cry. have a soft cry. Yeah, we 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 open the door just for a good pot shot, but that didn't happen. No. There was nothing but grace and love. Just like what you heard. Just like what you heard from Andrew. That's what Justin said uh, about Andrew. Just he, he said that Andrew has a heart as big as the outdoors. Yeah. And it's on display. Yeah. And a lot of actually what you just said about, uh, you know, shutting down, striving for eternity just to travel with him yeah. to help him. He said that's the type of person that you are. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is so uh, amazing is that we talked to both of you guys separately. Yep. And <laughs> the response was the exact same. That's awesome. Right. But the, unity better, in <laughs> the unity in Christ yeah. and, and, and service for one another. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That just blows my mind. Because I know I would take a shot at Chris <laughs> all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but we, do, we do privately. So. We do yeah. privately, yeah. yeah. But so do we. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we. I mean, we've heard it, so, <laughs> but, you know. But I thought it was amazing, given the opportunity, because we've been joking around with you guys all weekend. Yeah. yeah. Right, and it's just been nothing but fun. So, so it was just a chance, just to have fun and put it out there. So, so I'll, I'll tell you a funny story because I know Justin won't mind. Justin, Justin doesn't want to be seen as a as handicapped, so he calls himself a, a little white cripple boy. Okay, <laughs> and 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 he he's he's like he doesn't mind he wants people to call him a cripple in the sense that they, they like they realize there's not a big so we we go to a restaurant and they were already there and his pastor Jim Osmond was like oh yeah just you know we're in the restaurant I said well where are you he goes just ask for the cripple boy, the cripple boy so I walk into the to the major D and I'm like you know we we have a table there it's right here oh do you know where they are no we're looking for the cripple. He goes, oh, okay, oh, and he just starts going, they stop. He stopped, and he turns to me, he goes, oh, I'm so I feel sorry. really bad that I, just, that I knew which table to get to. I said, that's okay, he calls himself one, it's okay. 
Wow. <laughs> and he felt so good when, when I, we walked up to the table. I said, yeah, that's the cripple. And he goes, yep, I'm the cripple. And so the way the major D felt much better. <laughs> that's awesome. Chris, I get myself in trouble. My wife hates what she's like, you can't do that. And Justin's like, I want him to. And my wife is like, I don't care what he wants. You're not to do that anymore. <laughs> you know, so, so, so there's a fun website. Yes, yeah, we got to talk is. about this website. Yeah, yeah, there's a fun website. If you go to justiniwin.com. I love that website. There, if you go to the descriptions, there's a video that explains the whole thing. So I'll let you do that. Yep. Yeah. If you do it right now, we will be able to tell from your facial expressions we can we can literally tell Justin, when you get that justiniwin.com yeah i mean it's 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 that good of a website that as soon as you get there your face lights up and we know you're there but i will say if you were at justin peter's uh table that was out there the the pamphlet that has all the information about it uh pictures and places oh, he's traveled the newsletter, the newsletter yeah. yeah if yeah. you turn over on the back it's got a the only picture of Andrew on there is one where he's got Justin in a headlock. So, so the question is, choke to be more, and it was a, it was not a properly formed one. Anyone nope, nope. that knows what a rear and naked everyone's choke smiling, is, everyone's healthy. It's all right. But so, so, but the real question is, did you really win or did Justin? Because that's the only picture of you on there, and it's that picture. That that's true. And if you go to the website, you'll see where he where he won. Uh, but the theory is so. The theory is. This website was created to get donations to Justin's ministry. And for the record, I did it with his pastor's approval. I called his pastor and said, look, I want to I want to, you know, create an, uh, this campaign to get people to donate to Justin Peters ministry. And we'll call it hashtag Justin. I win so that everyone knows that what you know, every and just you donate to him and you put it in the notes so that he knows that that's from me getting bragging rights. Okay, so his pastor goes, wait, you want lots of people to donate to Justin so you get bragging rights. Yes. <laughs> and he said, I approve. Good. So, you know, so that's what the, the yep, she just she got just there. Got okay. There. okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you, we could tell. <laughs> so, and that's the picture that's in the newsletter. So, <laughs> so we encourage you all to go to justiniwin.com, donate to Justin's ministry as much as you can, like lots of it, and put in the comment section, just put hashtag Justin I win so he knows I have more brain rights. Now, the, 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 I've told him I will stop when he publicly concedes, but he got off of Twitter because he loves his wife that much, and so he can't concede publicly anymore, and I will, I win. will win indefinitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> just in case you're wondering... This is pretty much what it's been all weekend. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> this, is, this is about so. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, this is, and this is what Chris gets yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he got a gift. He yeah. gave That's me right. a gift of a Bible, which, which I loved. And, and I, I, I'll tell that story. I told it on, on Voice of Reason Radio. Uh, you should go listen to that with, with Chris, which is an excellent, excellent – you know. Okay, I don't know why Voice of Reason Radio is not up there with Just Thinking. I'm just saying. Just Thinking does an excellent job. I'm not saying they don't. But, man, Voice of Reason – is, in my mind, at that level. Yeah, yeah. It really is. With their prep work and the content I, they come out with, yeah. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, see, we just kind of wing it. Well, no, well not you. You I type all your stuff. But I've got to the point now. I just wing it. Isn't that like Daryl does all the research and, and Virgil just kind of... Right, yeah. right. so we are Daryl and Virgil. Oh, Wait, Even, the white version? We're the melanin-challenged version of Daryl and Virgil. 
You know, you know, because I got Virgil that sixteen eighty nine hat, and he and I always wear the sixteen eighty nine hat. So I guess I guess that's right. We are the white version of just. The game. <laughs> There are so many Good call. Like Good. There's so many parallels there. But he, he so, 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 Chris, Chris blessed me with, with a, a, you know, Charles Spurgeon Bible, which I really, really appreciate. But, but the, the humorous thing was, I, I showed my wife this Bible. I said, look, look what Chris did. I can't believe he did this. I, I will admit I deserve it because I bless him a lot. But, but. <laughs> I hate to admit that I deserve it, but in that sense, but because I do, I do go out of the, out of, a little overboard with him, uh, and he knows it. But, but uh, I, so I showed my wife, and you know what she says? What? I didn't know Charles Spurgeon wrote a study Bible. <laughs> I was like, well, no, he didn't actually write it. It was just other people who took his notes. She was thinking MacArthur study Bible, Ryrie study Bible, Spurgeon. He must have written one. She didn't know. She thought she missed out. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty sound. Yeah, very. <laughs> but uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this uh, live broadcast of Matter of Theology. I mean, but we are officially going to wrap it up. That's it. Thanks for hanging with us. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs>